In its quest to provide an open forum for discussion of controversial issues, this station allows hosts and their guests to express themselves without any significant censorship. You're advised that any views expressed by the hosts or their guests are not necessarily the views of Tuggy Entertainment or its partners. Welcome to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney. Vivian is here to talk to you, to encourage you, and to show you how she had a successful homeschooling experience with her Wildflower Academy, and that her kids turned out great, and that with God's help, you can create the same experience she did. From her beginnings in Hostert, West Germany, to Dallas, it's been quite a journey, and her abilities to adapt, survive, and thrive are what make her unique in homeschooling. So have your pen and paper ready. It's The Sociable Homeschooler. And now, here's your host, Vivian McNinney. Yes, it is my Father's will that whoever sees the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I shall raise him up on the last day. John 6.40 Immediately, an amazing image springs to mind. Dead bodies being raised up on the last day. How will we look? The same as when we died or when we were in our prime? Crippled and broken or whole? Then I wonder about the hows and wherefores. If we were buried and rot, then how will we rise? If we were cremated and scattered, then what? We can find these questions asked by the apostles, theologians, and you and me. It's so very human of us. The problem is not ours, but we behave as if it is. We do so want to solve it, to know exactly how it will work before we surrender for the last time and die. If we knew how to get dead bodies from forever ago to rise on the last day, then we'd be God too, wouldn't we? And we're not. God's divine, not created, can never be destroyed. He always was, is, and will be. All-knowing, ever-present, everywhere, always. He knows how we're going to be raised at the end. Isn't that all that matters? Think of it like the raw ingredients of a cake. To the unknowing eye, the head will shake in disbelief. From this oil, sugar, butter, raw eggs, flour, to that, impossible. Then the wonderful, fragrant sweetmeat comes out of the oven. The cook knew, God knows. A subtle difference, though. Most of us can be taught how to work the magic of a cake. Noticed I said most. We have to trust that God can work the magic of the resurrection on the last day because we sure as heck won't be able to figure it out or learn how to do it ourselves. I'll be rising on the last day. Will you? Good morning and good afternoon. Welcome to The Sociable Homeschooler. I'm your host, Vivian McNenny. My guest this week is Brenda Nixon, fellow host on Tokenet Radio with the show The Parents Plate. Tuesdays at 10 a.m. Eastern. So listen up. I'll be talking about my one-year anniversary, the Jubilee celebrations, homecoming, and perhaps I'll read something from my book. I've got coffee today, Christmas blend from Starbucks to cheer me up, and I'm munching on a slice of cake for a change, so get comfy while I bring some sunshine into my show. Honestly, kindly folks keep saying, when is it you're going back? And I look at them and recite the date and they say, oh, not long now. And I think either they're planning a farewell party and want to make sure they don't miss us or they just want to know when we're leaving. Whatever the reason, when their next question comes, are you looking forward to it? I shake my head and maybe shrug a bit and say, well, the weather's not being much help, but no, not really. A year isn't long enough to get fed up with anything, weather included. I was asked at dinner with extended family and friends, 
on a scale of one to 10, how do you rate your visit? And I said, a 10. My interrogator was surprised because my family and friends did tend to neglect me this year. And I think they feel ever so slightly guilty about it. But the fact that we bellied up and enjoyed ourselves together, finding niches in the local community to snuggle into was a relief for them, I think. We've all had a pretty heart-wrenching year, and on Wednesday, one of my aunts died, so I know what my cousins are experiencing right now. I've had a 12-month grieving period in the comfort of my mum's flat. My cousins are faced with having to clear out their family home for over 55 years because it's a council house, and they can't keep it. I'll be leaving to spend year two in America, where I'll have to get used to not picking up the phone ET-like to call home daily. My children do that. I'm surprised at how they call us at random times. We hear from one or two every day. Malia in Leon C pops onto Skype when she gets home from classes. Our oldest picks up the home phone to call while he's making a cup of coffee before dashing off to work. And my teacher daughter in Corpus touches base either before she starts work or when she finishes, catching me reading in bed. Notice I didn't say anything about my zookeeper son. We hear from him when something needs doing in the house, but about once a week, which is okay. When I first left England, I'd go months without speaking to my family. It would never occur for me to pick up the phone for no good reason, or them either, evidently. But then technology was different back in the old days. And before things get really maudlin, I'm going to read to you from the final chapter where I consider where we were at the start of homeschooling and compare and contrast the differences and similarities as we enter our final year. Entitled In the Light, Advocates, Not Adversaries. When all this contemplation about homeschooling began, my husband and I were relatively newlyweds and experiencing not only financial setbacks, but job dissatisfaction on my part, and the sobering thought that our future could involve keeping up with four different public schools, gifted or otherwise, for our multi-talented children. As with everything else we ended up doing in homeschooling, we started by bringing the troops in and turning our attention to each other. I quit my job and spent a madcap summer of discovery with all four children. I kid you not, on my own. I researched other forms of education, tentatively had my blue-eyed cowboy share our idea with parents and siblings, and with the help of a well-heeled stranger made the decision to include all our children, not just the younger girls, in the homeschooling venture. By keeping them hidden away at home when the school bus resumed its rounds of the neighbourhood, picking up poor, unsuspecting children on street corners, we started our first year of homeschooling 14 years ago. We transformed our lovely new house into a school which we proudly named Wildflower Academy the year we sowed wildflowers in our back 40 as an ongoing act of husbandry during the thrilling toddler and early years of homeless. 14 years later... Our financial situation hadn't changed much, but our attitudes had. We weren't let down once by God, and throughout the journey, I firmly believed I was doing the right thing. It wasn't that it was easy. Any one of you who's a companion along this particular road will attest to that. It was that I felt like a fulfillment of my God-given right, and my heart was in it completely, no matter what each individual day looked like. We still lived in the same house, which for some of you is unthinkable and for others laudable. 
Our children appreciated the fact that among their friends, and yes, they did have some, they were the only ones who could boast that they had the same four walls they'd always had to keep out the elements. As a Benedictine spiritualist, Householder stability is one of the keystones in the regular. As a homeschooler, I was not particularly good with rules or regulations, so a relentless struggle with my heart, which yearned to wander in the shoes of my travelling childhood, prevailed. I surprised myself and stilled my restless heart by adapting graciously with creativity and divine guidance to staying put. All things are possible with God, I discovered. At the staff and As the staff and alumni faced the final year of Wildflower's existence, we were all still talking to each other. This didn't mean we'd escaped unscathed from the ups and downs of sibling rivalry and teenage angst. They'd had their moments of silences, mad rages, speeding tickets, minor charges, community service, running away, bad company, piercings and defiance, and we affectionately christened the parentals, learned the best way to deal with bouts of loud, healthy behavior was not to overreact and never to discipline while in the grip of shock and awe. A friend and I were sharing our tales of parenting one day at church, and she told me how a priest had imparted these words of wisdom to her mother many years ago. If your children do not rebel in their teens and early 20s, Don't breathe a sigh of relief. They will rebel one day, and perhaps the later rebellion will cause more damage. Should I say rejoice all ye with rebelling teens? We handled the terrible twos, so we should be able to manage the rebellious teens. Think again. It's a rite of passage. Oh, for a Jesus teen. The wisdom in this is rebellion is healthy. It's a sign of independence, a glimpse of adulthood in all its gangling clumsiness. We stood side by side, my brave Texan and I, and embraced this phase of our lives with bitten tongues and stalwart faith that the angel would appear again one day. We were trying to model our roles as advocates, not adversaries, but as yet the light hadn't dawned. With only six years between my oldest and youngest, we had teenagers in our house for more years than we care to remember. The struggle seemed to be non-stop uphill, but with each each advent of a new 13-year-old, we learned to decimate the problems faster, march the proverbial elephant grandly from the room, and talk the truth without any reactions. Judge not was the hardest mask to wear, at least until we had all the facts clearly laid out before us. Then it was fair game. We learned a lot ourselves. Remembering how we acted in the same situations at the same age startled us at times. Were we really that naive? Note the kinder choice of word. My southern mother-in-law was a gem during this rough time. Yes, y'all were pretty stupid most of the time. Not so kind with her word choice. I had one year left as the official teacher at home and one student to graduate. She was 16, going on 25, the youngest and at home with me alone. But before we settled into a routine with Simon at Texas A&M and Paris on the Mercy Ship in Africa for a year, something happened. The season of life which I'd kept at bay searched me out and claimed me. I had to face the unavoidable fact that my parents were growing old, displaying signs that they were finding it harder to look after themselves. My father kept losing his car when he was out. Well, I do that all the time in the croak of the parking lot. 
and losing his way. He could no longer pop out to the nearby shop for a pint of milk without taking the risk of falling down. Mummy had taken to buying frozen dinners in place of cooking, but judging by her lifelong disinterest in food and producing the evening meal, she told me this was a plus for her. When Malia and I saw Paris off on the plane to Africa, we made a detour to Broadstairs, where my parents lived, and spent a happy three weeks in a pretty house close to the sea and my parents. We spent as much time with them as possible. And it's time for me to go on a break. So when I come back, I'll be talking to my guest. And um, I suppose we'll finish with the book next week. How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. Parents, if you feel overloaded, overworked, underappreciated, and seriously stressed out, The Parents' Plate is here to help you. The Parents' Plate with Brenda Nixon, Tuesday mornings at 10 a.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Central on Toginet. It's time to build stronger families through parent empowerment, and that's what The Parents' Plate does. The Parents' Plate understands the busyness of life and balancing child rearing and other commitments. Brenda Nixon will be talking to noted experts and authors on all issues, from teething to teen driving. Brenda Nixon is a nationally recognized speaker to parents and child care professionals and author of the award-winning The Birth to Five book. From Fox 4 in Kansas City to schools and synagogues to businesses to bookstores, conferences to churches, audiences rave that Brenda engages, educates, and encourages. For more information on Brenda and her books, check out her website, brendanixon.com. The Parents' Plate is loaded with information and affirmation. The Parents' Plate with Brenda Nixon. Tuesdays at 10 a.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Central on Why do I feel so lousy? Why aren't my medications working? Why can't my doctor figure me out? These are just a few of the questions Dr. Kevin Connors will be exploring in Dr. Kevin Connors Live on Toginet.com. The author of the book, Help, My Body is Killing Me, solving the connections of autoimmune disease to thyroid problems, fibromyalgia, depression, ADD, ADHD, and more. He'll dig into these and many other conditions to dissect the mechanisms of your problems. Giving God the glory and looking for answers to make you look and feel better. To make you feel whole again. For more on him, his book, and the show, check out UpperRoomWellness.com. Never be satisfied with a diagnosis. There is always a reason behind it. And if you can alter the mechanisms that led you down your current path, we can change your future. It's Dr. Kevin Connors, live here on Togginet.com. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Togginet. And now back to your host, Vivian McNinney. Well, my guest this week is Brenda Nixon, a fellow host here on Toginet Radio. Her show airs on Tuesdays at 10 a.m. Eastern and is called The Parents' Plate. Brenda blends practical parenting tips with child development and is an unusual and popular keynote speaker at events and workshops in more than 10 states. She has appeared on the NBC TV affiliate in Columbus, Ohio, the Fox TV affiliate in Kansas City, and Atlanta's Kevin and Taylor in the morning on WFSHFM. 
Speaking aside, Brenda is also an author and penned the award-winning book, The Birth to Five, yeah, no, The Birth to Five book, as well as co-authoring a scrapbook of Christmas firsts. She's a contributor to 30 titles, including several in the New York Times best-selling Chicken Soup for the Soul series. Today, she's going to empower your child-rearing skills by offering insights and encouragement to everyone listening. Welcome to my show, Brenda. Thank you, Vivian. It's a tremendous delight to be on your show. Well, good. And you know what? I was listening to my commercials today, and you're on my commercial loop. <laughs> I am. And when I listen to your show, I notice that I'm on your commercial loop. I know. I so suppose, we well, maybe they mix it up a, a little bit. But anyway, I thought that was funny. <laughs> but that's good. That's good. Getting to know each other um, through commercials and then by having guests. That's good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, Brenda, um, will you tell us a little bit uh, about yourself, um, your family, if you have children? Yep. Okay. Yeah, I have two daughters, a okay. son-in-law, mm-hmm. and then I'm kind of like Aunt Brenda or adopted mm-hmm. mom to many others. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I often have people ask me when I'm out speaking, do you have children? Because People want to know if you're talking about child rearing or child development or discipline, if you've really had the emotional experience. Mm -hmm. And yes, I have. Been there, Mm -hmm. done that. Raised my kids, infant, toddler, school years, and through the teen years. (laughs) And so um, while you were raising your children, were you working and talking as a parenting expert at that time too? Well, during some of those years, yes. Uh, during some of those years, I was just full-time stay-at-home mom. Mm-hmm. And then some of their growing up years, I was working part-time as a parent educator in uh, the Kansas City, Missouri school district. Mm-hmm. And um, then near their older years, when they were more in middle school and high school, um, I evolved into a professional speaker and a writer. Okay. All right. So you evolved. Did you, did you actually go and have lessons or did you just develop it yourself? Um, a little of both, Vivian. Um, I, I really felt like I needed to take the message of child development and parenting skills and parent empowerment to a larger audience Mm -hmm. than what I was doing in the Kansas City, Missouri School District Mm -hmm. and wanting to be the best that I could be and be an interesting speaker and one who is very helpful to my listeners. I Mm -hmm. did take some classes and read books and watched videos about Mm -hmm. uh, speaking skills and crafting a presentation and platform mechanics. And I even wrote a little booklet to help other people who are writers or speakers Mm -hmm. in their um, speaking skills when they're in front of an audience. So um, I didn't take like, you know, a college level class in speaking or journalism to evolve into a speaker and a writer, but I did a lot of self-study and got involved in groups, you know, speaking groups and writing Mm -hmm. critique groups. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, I think that's a a really good way of doing it. And actually on my show, I have a lot of people that come in and they talk about um, children 
or, or older, your older students um, interning to make sure that what they want to do is something that they want to go to college and spend a lot of money on. Or yeah. maybe they can be go the apprentice route and do it without having to go to college. So, you know, there's a lot of validity there for um, both oh, ways, yeah. you know. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's interesting. Here at our local career center, I teach a class on how to get a book published. Mm-hmm. And I actually have had homeschool students whose parents sent them to my class because mm-hmm. their, their children showed some uh, talent in writing and interest in writing and perhaps getting published. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and as homeschoolers, we're flexible. We can do that, so yeah. we can we can choose and um, you know choose the classes that our children take, sort of tailored to their specific interests. Absolutely. All right. So, Brenda, everybody's on holiday there in America or on their summer vacation. Here in England, they don't get out until oh, July 10th or 12th or something like okay. that. So I'm kind of having to remind myself that my American friends have now got their children at home with them. And, yeah. um, you know, we, there's, there's going to be holidays. There's going to be different situations to when they were at school. The children are going to be around more. They're going to probably have to be taken out more um, to the stores and restaurants and on holidays and in airplanes and stuff like that so how do you keep the discipline going you know the good behavior of the child you know of your your child when they're in a familiar surrounding and they know you know the 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 process they know the rules and all of a sudden you go out and it's kind of all new and they might start to act up a little bit i mean it's natural for them to get Mm -hmm. excited and forget so how do we keep that um consistency as far as we can so that we can enjoy ourselves as well well, that's a powerful, a loaded, and a common question. I hear that quite a bit from um, audience members or people who call my office. Um, you use the word consistency, and I think that's one of the important issues. Now, consistency means a lot of things. Consistency means that we are consistent, we as adults are consistent in our response to um, misbehavior. For example, we don't laugh about it one day and then correct it and get angry over it the next day. Mm-hmm. We need to be consistent so the child knows a misbehavior, a misdeed is going to bring the same reaction. Likewise, consistency can mean the same rules. Children need to know that the rules apply whether they're at home, at school, at grandparents' house, or on a playground, there are some consistent rules that must be abided by. And then consistency also remember, is, uh, includes um, following through and doing what we say we're going to do. And, if, and that's, you know, both positive and negative, Vivian. If we say we are going to, like, reward them for doing something correctly and cooperating, then we need to follow through. Likewise, if we say there's going to be, you know, a punishment or a consequence following this misbehavior, then we must follow through and do that. So I like your word consistency. It's a loaded word, isn't it? Yeah, it certainly is. And, yes, that is important because it's the same with um, any young person that you are or any young even animal. I mean, if you have a, a pet in the house, you know, you've got to be consistent because otherwise they get totally confused. And I know that my children just thrived on routine but we had a flexible routine if you know you know if something came up and we always did x 
but this other thing came up, we could not do that and, and do this other thing that, that might, you know, just be a once uh, a month or once a year um, occurrence. And that was okay. But they, for the most part, you know, they, they knew where they were going and what they were doing, and what was expected of them. Right. And you're right. Children do thrive on routine or, as I say, it's a uh, comfortable predictability. Mm-hmm. So when they know that their lives is comfortably predictable, they do feel more secure and they're better behaved and happier mm-hmm. children. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and as they get older, they become more flexible and maybe for a while there will go, oh, I just don't want to do have anything to do with routines and schedules and, and that kind of thing. And that's okay too because I think they'll come mm-hmm. back to that eventually but it drives you mad you know for example you may have a really neat young child you know that that folds everything up and puts it all away and puts their toys away and they grow into this this completely different teenager that you go huh when did they arrive and you you just have to know that eventually when they have their own place and it's you know they there's nobody to clean up after them if you did that which if it wasn't in my public areas I didn't then um, you know they'll go back to to the real way it's just a way of expressing their independence I suppose oh yeah you're absolutely right and I do encourage parents to remember that in the development toddlers and teenagers are very similar in fact teenagers are somewhat like toddlers but in bigger bodies because mm-hmm. the issues of independence and um, having their own agenda and being very, you know, inquisitive, those issues are exactly the same. They're played out again in the teenage years. And so if parents just remember that, it, it can help them as they're uh, talking with and working with their teenager. Mm. Now, you talked in one of your um, blogs about... Um, ignoring a child whose um, behavior was inappropriate. And a question arose about um, a child that maybe wasn't your child, but was a relative, but you didn't see that child very often. And that child was an interrupter, but also needed attention. And that's how that child felt they could get attention all the time. And so how does how easy is it as not the parent, but maybe the aunt or the cousin to carry through with the, um, you know, with what you do with your own children of just not responding to them when they're behaving inappropriately and they'll learn that, oh, I'm interrupting and I should wait until a better time, you know, to try and say something. How do you do that? Oh, that is not always easy, but I tell parents in your house, your house rules mm-hmm. are to be abided by, and children are remarkably resilient and adaptable, and they can learn that there's certain rules in their home, and there's certain rules at school, there's certain rules at a friend or a relative's home, and so when you have children come into your home and you have house rules that are somewhat different than the way they're raised, they will learn to abide by your house rules. And the adult needs to be in charge of the situation. Again, mm-hmm. um, children feel insecure when they feel like they're running the scene and they're running the household. Mm-hmm. They need mm-hmm. adults yeah. to Brenda, we have- kind of like that feeling. All right, here's the music. We'll come right back to that after this break. Okay. All right. 
How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. Whether you're four and a half or 100, you can retrain your brain. Learning RX, the radio show, is on toginet.com, Thursday mornings at 8 a.m. Central Time with Martin Kruger. Learning RX programs are quick, they're efficient, they're life changing, and they're permanent. Unlike tutoring, cognitive skills training or brain training targets the root issue causing learning struggles. Time and money spent on chronic tutoring is a clear signal of cognitive skill deficiency. That's where Learning RX comes in. Call today, 903 617 6899. 903 617 6899. Then join us for the show here every Thursday morning at 8 a.m. And take advantage of the power it holds to improve your life. There are so many brain training issues that Learning RX can help you with. It's not a product, it's an experience. So join us for Learning RX, the radio show with Martin Kruger. Thursday mornings at 8 a.m. Central on Toginet.com. Fertility is an extremely personal subject. Tune in Monday nights at 9, 8 Central for the Fertility Forum with infertility psychotherapist and expert Phyllis Martin on Toginet.com. This is the show about infertility, gaining support, and information. Phyllis will assist you in navigating the disappointments and decisions that often accompany the difficult journey from diagnosis to conception, pregnancy to parenthood. She is passionate about her work and is an expert in the donor egg field, bringing both her personal and professional experience to all she does. Ms. Martin has extensive experience in helping patients cope with infertility, pregnancy loss, adoption, surrogacy, miscarriage, pregnancy termination, and creative family building. She knows what you're going through, and she's here to help. It's the Fertility Forum with your host, Phyllis Martin, Monday nights at 9, 8 Central, on Tuggynet.com. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginac. And now back to your host, Vivian McNinney. I'm talking to Brenda Nixon, host of The Parents Plate on Tuesdays at 10 a.m. Eastern here on Toganet Radio. And before we went on our break, we were talking about um, having your own, you know, your house rules were the same with other children coming into the into your home. And so those children learn that, you know, there's different rules at granny and grandpa's, to parents, to over at my friend's house, depending on who the adult was. And um, Brenda, you were saying that a child, even though a child is really acting up, they are looking to the adult for oh, direction sure. of some sort, whether it's, um, yes, that's okay, or no, that's an absolute no-no. So even though they're wanting to control the situation, they're really not. Is that what you're saying? They really well, don't want course, to. They would rather an adult do it? <laughs> well, children feel secure when adults run the household. Okay. And we, we often hear the word um, the spoiled child, but I like to consider that is really a child who is searching for the limits. Mm. Yeah, that's good. 
because they do. They, they kind of stretch the envelope. We notice that when the children get a little bit older because it's not quite as couched in whining. They can express themselves better, so they do tend to be able to, right. you know, some of them are really, really good at arguments, you know, sort of getting, right. you know, sort of with, with words, especially if you teach rhetoric, which I did. So I was teaching <laughs> them how to do that. So, um, yeah. yeah. And, you know, I have no problem, Vivian, uh, disciplining children in my home mm-hmm. because, again, you know, it's my home, my house rules, and we even had two young children in our home last night. And, you know, as, as most toddlers will do, this one toddler was standing up in a chair, and, you know, I just simply said, down, and, you know, I used the voice inflection, you know, you lower your voice down. Mm-hmm. And use the hand signal to show. So I don't really even have to touch the child, but through eye contact, hand signal, voice inflection, I can tell the child my expectations down. You sit mm-hmm. in my chair. And mm-hmm. so um, parents, relatives, friends need to help the child know that there are certain house rules mm-hmm. or that child's going to be searching for the limits and acting crazy and bizarre looking for what the rules and the limits and boundaries are. Mm. And then you have the parents who seem on the surface to be, they, they discipline their children and they say no and they've got those ground rules laid, but then they give in. And oh, the yeah. child knows this. They go, the child just pushes and pushes and pushes and there's no, no, no. Oh, all right. That's very <laughs> um, dangerous. Really. I know, I know. It's dangerous to the parent-child relationship because there's not a strong trust mm-hmm. relationship because the child learns, I can't really trust uh, my mom or dad because they don't mean what they say. Mm-hmm. And it sets up a lot of confusion because the child doesn't know when a situation will, um, you know, the parent means it and when a situation a parent doesn't. It's a lot of inconsistency. Yeah. It's very difficult. And, of course, it's frustrating to the parent. Yeah, yeah. And frustrating if you're out in public to those other poor people who are witnessing this this dreadful <laughs> behavior that's going on on both sides. I mean, the parent and the child. That is now, so true. Yeah, and you, you, you said that you wanted to reach um, a larger audience, so you um, talk a lot at um, workshops and pro- conferences. Um, and what about, like here in England, we walk a lot, so I see a lot of stuff going on on the streets, which you might not see in America so much because they're in the privacy of their cars when whatever is going on is going on, but we actually see it on the streets, we have a lot of young mums, I mean, really young mums. And they have probably come from families where they didn't have really good parenting role models. And they don't have a clue how to even talk to their children. They scream at their children all the time. You see it at the park, you see it in little restaurants and all of that stuff. And I don't know whether or not you would ever be able to reach those kinds of parents? I don't know. Maybe there are situations where they would go for parenting classes, perhaps if they had a social worker, but it would probably wouldn't be until something drastic had happened, you know? So and, well, I mean, how, what, what can we do about that? Yeah, that's a good question. I have found in my experience, Vivian, that people are not ready to change until they're ready to change. Mm. And so... Um, if somebody comes to hear me speak or somebody calls me and asks 
questions. Um, I know that they're open to learning and willing to change. But for me, just to, you know, walk up and say to a parent, uh, your screaming is ineffective, that is not going to create the best teaching learning situation. The parent Mm -hmm. has to be willing to make changes. In fact, I was speaking at an... um, a conference one day, and afterward, a lady came up to me and was asking me about uh, the family bed and having her young child sleep with her, and I said, is this a problem to you? And she said, no, and I said, well, why are you asking me about it? And she said, because other people have told me I should stop it, mm. and I asked her, do you believe you should stop it? And she said, no. I said, okay, then. There's no issue. See, Mm -hmm. until she sees it as some behavior she wants to change, there's, you know, she's not Mm -hmm. going to change it or be open to some different solutions. Mm -hmm. And some people are very contented with the way the parent-child relationship is, and that's fine. Now, as far Mm -hmm. as screaming to children, I call that intimidation. Mm-hmm. That is not teaching a child to listen. It's teaching a child to be fearful of the loud volume, almost like the attitude of might makes right. The parent's bigger, older, louder, so that makes the parent right. Mm-hmm. And I well, don't think and, that's the um, message you, parents want to send. Mm-hmm. Well, you said when disciplining a child, you have some keys to remaining calm. Because, I mean, sometimes a child can really, especially if you it's the end of the day and you know, maybe you have a headache or maybe you're hungry or maybe you're just tired and you can, it's very difficult to control sometimes your emotions. And so you can act just as badly as a child. And then you've got two or three children running around and one of them is an adult. Um, (laughs) Oh yeah, I've been there, done that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, so what are some, some hints to, you know, to, to stop us from, or to help us not fall into that trap. Because, you know, quite honestly, I tried leaving the room and I look around and they're all behind me, <laughs> following me. Mom, where are you going? We want to come too. You know, so I mean, there's just no, sometimes you can't just leave. So what, what are some true. tips? Yeah. Well, a couple things I would suggest is always remember we're sending messages to our children. We are teaching children whether we realize it or not. Mm -hmm. So if we are unable to control our emotions, we are actually teaching our children not to be able to control their emotions. We are sending a message that to get angry and to scream and have a temper tantrum is appropriate. Mm-hmm. So we need to remember as adults that we are our children's first and most powerful teacher. So mm-hmm. what are we teaching through our behaviors? And when I reminded myself of that all through my child-rearing years, it helped me sometimes to keep my emotions a little bit more self-disciplined and under control because I wanted to send a message to my children. It's okay to get frustrated. It's okay to get annoyed, but it is not okay to have a temper tantrum and just completely lose any self-control or any self-restraint. That is not okay or socially acceptable. Mm -hmm. So the important message is always to remember We are teaching our children 24 hours a day, seven days a week, not only through our words, but through our actions, our behavior. Then to the parent who has the headache and is exhausted and is operating on her last nerve, 
And the children just seem to be increasingly more agitating. Remember that children do read our cues, and if they see on our face or in our words or in our voice inflection that we are on our last nerve and it's just, you know, almost almost too close to the tipping point, sometimes that will uh, give a child more energy to act out and misobey, you know, misbehave because they just want to see... You know, what is what the happens? tipping point? What more they yeah. have to do to really throw mom or dad over the edge? <laughs> I know, but that sounds awful. Why would they want to do that? <laughs> well, because energy is power and power is energy. And yeah. if a young child feels they have the power to make a big, full-grown adult mad, that gives them more energy. Because mm-hmm. they feel like they have power over an adult. That's yeah. why it's so important for us adults to, even if we have to pretend at it, to act like, you know, we are calm, we're in control of our emotions and of our responses. And I know it's hard. Been there, done that. I've been the exhausted parent. But as you said, Vivian, sometimes just leaving the room is appropriate. Mm -hmm. Sometimes doing what I call timing ourselves out. (laughs) Leaving the situation momentarily can help us take a deep breath and calm down. But always remember that child-rearing is a very short part of your life. I mean, the child-rearing years are generally, you know, 16 to 18 years. And that's a small portion when you consider people can live to be 80 years old. <laughs> right, Brenda, it's, it is a short time, but not when you're in it. This is true. You know, I know, because I look at some of my friends and I say, oh, I know it's tough, but if they, they're not going to be that age for very long. The next time you look around, they'll be sort of 18 and getting ready to go to college. But, oh, you know, know, at the time, you just cannot imagine that. <laughs> yeah, I know. There were times when my children were young toddlers and I just thought, this is never going to end. <laughs> yeah, it'll go on forever and ever. And um, Brenda, can you stay for um, a few minutes into my f- into the next segment? Oh, sure, absolutely. Yeah, because it looks as though we, we just have a, a short time to go, and I don't want to get into anything too, too big before we go. But one of the things that I would like to talk about when we come back is um, you were talking about letting your child know what it is they've done well or what it is they haven't done well instead of just Mm -hmm. saying you're a bad boy or you're a good girl and that really doesn't give them very much information so um, when we come back we'll talk about that I'm talking to Brenda Nixon who is a parenting expert and radio show right here on Toginet Radio and um, we'll be back in about 90 seconds after these messages so um, don't go far and uh, Hope you're enjoying our conversation. toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling. That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. Everyday Autism Miracles with Shannon Pinrock. Friday afternoons at 2, 1 central on toginet.com. 
Life after an autism spectrum diagnosis doesn't have to be difficult. It can be joyful, happy, and filled with hope. Join Shannon Penrod, author, speaker, coach, and mom of a six-year-old recovering from autism for this inspirational hour of hope. She's even authored a series of children's autism books with her son, Jim. For more information about the books, Shannon, and Everyday Autism Miracles, go to her website, shannonpenrod.com. From there, you can also get to her other websites, blogs, and connections. On Everyday Autism Miracles, you'll hear stories from parents whose children have made miraculous strides. You'll also get the inside dish on therapies, treatments, supplements, and how to get funding to help you afford them. Miracles abound in the autism community. So tune in for Everyday Autism Miracles to listen, share, laugh, and surround yourself with hope. Everyday Autism Miracles with Shannon Penrod. Friday afternoons at 2, 1 central on Toginet.com. Wondering how to market, where to invest, where to advertise, where to find the right advice, or what to do about taxes? Doing business today is a complex venture, and that's where all biz talk comes in. All Biz Talk helps businesses and individuals find the right path to their success and learn more about the ideas, products, and services used by today's top professionals. Success leaves clues, so if you want to be successful, it's always best to listen to the people who have already been where you want to be. Our hosts are unbiased and will ask the hard questions, taking your calls to help connect you with the right professionals, people who can help you get a better handle on your personal and business choices. All Biz Talk is not a financial services company and does not offer any financial advice, but we will help you make the right choice when it comes to planning your financial future. Join All Biz Talk Tuesday afternoons at 1 Pacific, 3 Central at allbiztalk.com. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginac. And now back to your host, Vivian McNinney. So, all right, Brenda, we've all probably fallen into this trap with all kinds of children, not just our own, but maybe if we're a teacher in a school, you will say, oh, that was such a good job, John, or good girl, you were such a good girl. And, you know, it sounds really nice, but what does it mean? How was she a good girl? How was he a bad boy? That's a good question. And early in my parenting career, I fell into that trap. I thought I was building my children's self-esteem by saying, good girl. Mm. But if we think about it from a child's point of view, that is too much of a global statement. It's not descriptive or specific. Children need to know exactly what they have done correctly. Did they sit down in the chair? Did they help pick up a toy? Did they put away some books? Did um, they begin working on homework without being reminded? Mm. So parents do their children a service when they're very specific or descriptive in what their child has done right. And I encourage parents, you know, children do lots of right things all throughout the day. So it's good for the parent relationship. It's also good in behavior management to brag on what your child has done right, to acknowledge it, to be watching for those good behaviors. And, um, yes, exactly. I think what happens is a child may forget that, what it was that they did, or they may just continually be doing really good things. They might just be a generally good child most of the time. And 
they don't really know what it is that the parent is praising them about or that their dad is, you know, tapping them on the head. So, um, yeah, that's that's very good advice to actually be really specific. And I think that would probably go into relationships, too, you know, with mm-hmm. your spouse and, and with your, your siblings as you get older that, you know, say, you know, what that whatever it was that you did really made me feel or I was really grateful for a specific thing that you did for me. And so that that really helps further along. So as you say, we're modeling all the time, whether we consciously are doing it or not. Right. 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 And I was just going to say with older children, I like the way you phrased it, Vivian, to say to an older child, uh, when you did this, it made me feel this way. Because what you're teaching there is that their behaviors do affect other people. Mm. So, you know, it works with older children. I'm not suggesting this on infants or toddlers, but on older children to say, when you remember to do this, or when Mm. you brought me that, or Mm. when you helped with the household chores, it made me feel, Mm. and then you explain. That that is a good two-way teaching Mm. system. I think probably also some parents consider that, you know, doing household chores, for example, is something that's part and parcel of, you know, being living in the house and the relationship. But I also feel that a child needs to be encouraged because, you know what, it is a horrible task doing housework. And it comes round week after week after week. It's never ending. And to be thanked, even as a mom or a wife, to be thanked goes a long way. It goes a long way, of course. (laughs) And I guarantee you, children will repeat the behaviors that they were thanked for because Mm. it feels good to be thanked. It feels good to be acknowledged. And so if we want to see the good, the right, the constructive behaviors in our children, we as adults need to be looking for when they do the good or the right or the constructive behaviors and then give them a word of thanks. Mm. Hmm. Well, Brenda, tell us a little bit about how we can find you online and um, tell um, my listeners maybe a little bit about your show on Tuesdays. Okay, thank you. Um, The Parents Plate Radio Show is every Tuesday morning from 10 to 11 a.m., so Tuesdays at 10, and we really cover just a multitude of issues that crowd a parent's plate. Someday we might talk about teenage drivers. Some days we may talk about parenting uh, multiples because, you know, we have listeners who have twins or triplets. Mm -hmm. Some days we may talk about the issue of discipline or toilet teaching or children who are at the age where they begin dating. So each show focuses on a different issue that Mm -hmm. Crowd the parents' plate today, and hopefully we're very positive, we're proactive, and I try to give very practical tips, usable tips. And the show, like yours, Vivian, is live in the morning, but later in the day or any time at convenience, people can listen onto the podcast or subscribe free through iTunes and listen to it. 
Okay. Well, thank you so much, Brenda, for joining me today. I've been chatting with Brenda Nixon, parenting expert and radio show host right here on Toginet. You can listen to her, as she as she um, mentioned, um, empower you and your child-rearing skills every week on Tuesdays at 10 o'clock Eastern on The Parent's Plate, an hour of insight and encouragement. Brenda blends practical parenting tips with child development, as you heard, and is an unusual and popular keynote speaker at events and workshops in more than 10 states. She is the author of the Birth to Five book and has, well, and it was um, won awards, didn't it, that book? Oh, yes, The Good Parenting Seal. Well, wonderful, wonderful. So go out and get that book. And she's (laughs) co-authored a scrapbook of Christmas firsts, and she's contributed to Chicken Soup for the Soul. So go to her website. I've got your website, Brenda Nixon on parenting.blogspot, and it comes up .co.uk here, but it's actually .com. um, I noticed that, yeah. Yeah, yeah, for more information and ways to contact her. Have a wonderful weekend, Brenda, and thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much. It's been a delight, Vivian. Thank you, Brenda. Bye. All right. I've got some other quick news from the home front this week, which includes my zookeeper son's visit to Cozumel. He went to explore caves, scuba dive, snorkel, and zip line, and he messaged me a list of things he was doing on his first day, and I texted him back saying, sounds like a ho-hum, boring kind of day to me. The following day, he said he was going to go skydiving and said, yay, and I texted him back and said, What if my diarrhea comes back? Which is an in-joke from years ago when we were on a ski lift in Colorado and had been inundated with ads for Pepto-Bismol with that catchphrase. The kids will still recite it and howl with laughter whenever a scary situation comes up, like looking over the edge of a ski lift into the valley below or when a plane surges on takeoff. You know, those kinds of tummy-dropping moments. Wow, that was a long explanation for a family in-joke. And by the way, we have not heard from my son since he sent me that text. On Tuesday, which was the one-year anniversary of my mom's death, we had a small service at St. George's. They have a regular mass at 7.30 in the evening. So I asked permission to have that mass said for both my parents. We were able to inter their ashes, the portion my brother was still in possession of, in the lovely church cemetery. And my brother and his boys, my blue-eyed cowboy and I, gathered in the Lady Chapel for prayers before mass. And then we each carried an urn out to the garden, as our priest called it. And there, one at a time, they were emptied into the ground, graciously prepared by my strong cowboy. The setting was very Brontean. Just the five of us and a priest standing in the overgrown and tangled riot of the woodland garden saying prayers anyway the eastern stained glass window are above their grave and it casts its colored light over the altar where the consecration of bread and wine takes place every sunday and holy day so a truly sacred place Um, we were sent forth in peace and after mass we visited the site and my brother said it's strange seeing my name on a gravestone i suppose it is perhaps he'll visit the place often since it's the first time our family has placed a stone to remember their loved ones. Last week, I mentioned the busy celebrations going on here in London, and I have to comment that Malia, a friend visiting from America, and my brother added to the millions who are converging on the riverbank for the historic flotilla of 1,000 boats with the Queen's barge leading. Armed with a picnic, of course, we hopped on the train to Charing Cross. The girls ate their sandwiches en route as if they hadn't had a full English breakfast. 
We had to wait for clearance to enter our terminating platform. And um, it was a sign, good or bad, that we were going to see London as we had never seen her before. As we walked across the station concourse, we saw policemen with their automatic rifles slung at their sides. No one was going to miss the Queen this weekend. Outside, we joined the crowds. No, no one was going to yeah, mess, mess with the Queen this weekend. Outside, um, we joined the crowds down the Strand. We couldn't get anywhere near the river. We kept on being detoured in a circle, it seemed. And at one point, we were halfway across Waterloo Bridge when we were told it was closed and people were being turned around. So we did the salmon upstream thing and retraced our steps. And we walked about five miles to Vauxhall Bridge, higher up the river, enjoying the unhindered trek along the Mall, which is the red street leading to Buckingham Palace. We weren't allowed anywhere near the palace because of the next day's concert, but could see the bleachers set up around the fountain. We strolled through St. James's Park, and it wasn't until we got to Victoria that we started accumulating people, rather like a human snowball. Vauxhall was no better. The bridge was several people deep with folks, and with folks, and the embankment was solid with people. They were even in the trees. They must have camped overnight, and no one was leaving. Unfortunately, the large TV screens were also set along the riverside, so none of us who couldn't get close stood a chance of at least a limps. So after trying unsuccessfully to bully our way through the solid mass of people, some of them had strollers, can you believe? We decided that we would make our way home before everybody decided the same thing. So we'd been gone for five hours by now, so we were ready to head home. And uh, we caught the docking of the Royal Barge on television and probably witnessed poor Prince Philip contracting his UTI. I kept wondering if the Queen was in her nice warm slippers as she stood to watch the rest of the flotilla sail by. And we enjoyed the concert the next day on TV. And I also enjoyed the service at St. Paul's. And the Queen is amazing. She doesn't have a walking stick or a zimmer, and she doesn't ever even hold on to an arm. So I'm glad that we made the effort to brave the streets. Long live our Queen. And the next big event is the Olympics, which I will not be going to. Well, that's it for another week. Time to stop rattling on. My youngest is coming up to see a show with me tomorrow. We will rock you the matinee. She can't handle late nights too far from home. Then it's Father's Day on Sunday, so I suppose someone in our house will be well and truly spoiled. Happy Father's Day to all you dads out there. I'll be here same time, same place next week, so without further ado, I'll say thanks to my handsome husband, who believes in love at first sight, our four children who are the result of that belief. I miss you three in Texas. The hard-working staff at Toginet Radio, my guest Brenda Nixon, and all my faithful listeners. You can listen to Brenda's show, The Parents Played, every week on Tuesdays at 10 a.m. Eastern. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord show you his kindness and have mercy on you. May the Lord watch over you and give you peace. Thank you for joining us for The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney on Tokyo.